0: Hey friends, welcome to The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to episode 19 of the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. Today I'm talking with my friend and MOPS teammate, Stacy Morgan. Stacy is on staff with MOPS International as an executive leadership coach, and she's also a frequent writer for MOPS. She lives in Friendswood, Texas, and has four children ranging from high school to elementary school, and is married to Drew, a NASA astronaut. Her newest project is writing a book for Tyndale Publishing called *The Astronaut's Wife*, which will be released next year. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy. Thanks, excited to be here. Awesome. Well, now that it is February, when so many people are talking about love and romance and things like that, I think one of, I was thinking about how as moms, like how can we love ourselves? And I think that one of the ways we can do that is to find time and space for friendship. So I'm excited for us to chat about that.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, it sounds so easy to talk about friendships, but it's not an easy topic really for adult women.
0: Yeah, definitely. So will you tell us what has your friendship journey looked like over the years and have you found it easy or easier at certain times to find your people? What does that look like?
1: I think I've had a variety of different friendship seasons. I think before I had kids, I don't really remember feeling lonely. I think that was because I was like a lot of women working full time. And so you get to know your coworkers and you know, you have fun activities, and you're married, and it's just like you know, you just do life, and um, you know, connect with people whenever easily, right? And right. have adult conversations uh, all the time. Right. That's right. And um, and then I had my oldest, who is now 17. And it wasn't until like a month after having him, when I like was able to have my brain work again. Mm -hmm. And when I started feeling lonely for the first time in a different way, I was the first of my friends to have kids. We were living on the other side of the country. And so I didn't have any, you know, established friends, um, or family there. We were there for three years and we were, this was a year and a half into a three-year stint. So it wasn't like we were going to be there permanently. We didn't put down a lot of roots. And so I was, I was really lonely. And I just kind of thought like, maybe this is what it is to be an adult woman. And nobody mentioned, nobody talks about mm-hmm. it. Maybe, it's, maybe it's to be a mom, it's just all about your kids and that's just it, you know? And I had a couple just like light friendships in that first year and a half of motherhood. And it was like, we sat and watched our kids ignore each other <laughs> <while they> go, <laughs> roll around on the carpet or whatever for <laughs> an hour or two. And we'd talk about diaper brands and whatever but like nothing serious you know and um i didn't really think much of it it wasn't until we moved from there uh when my son was about a year and a half to north carolina and it just so happened that a friend of ours who we knew from medical school my husband's a doctor and we had um they were in medical the husbands were in medical school together And um, I met this friend named Lisa who I had, she was kind of like a acquaintance before we then moved there at the same time. And Mm -hmm. she really was the first person who showed me what adult female friendship could look like. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say in that season, um, we lived there for five years. That was an amazing friendship season. And looking back, I see how it was amazing because several friends, Lisa being the primary one, she was like a seed friend. She introduced me to other people and I just did whatever she told me to do. up you know, like, at this thing. Yes, I'll show up. You know, um, you need to meet this person. Yes, I will meet them. Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, it was easy because she was so gracious and open and always connected, just a great connector, great mm-hmm. communicator. And so I kind of took those five years. I want to say I took them for granted, but um, I just thought, oh, well maybe this is what <laughs> female adult friendship is. Like, it's great. And mm-hmm. those five years were amazing. And then we moved again, uh, cause my husband is in the army. We moved to Virginia and, um, I met a couple of neighbors. We lived in this tight cul-de-sac and it was amazing, they became my close friends. And I thought, great. Like another, you know, like, I guess maybe, maybe That's this group. is what right? <laughs> another adult friendship is. Uh, not too hard. You know, we're right here. We literally, our doors face each other. It was relatively easy. Our kids were kind of the same age. Like it was easy to get plugged in, easy to feel like we were doing life together. And then we moved to Texas when my husband was selected to be an astronaut. And so I thought at that point, you know, I had been a mom and uh, kind of doing adult female friendships Mm -hmm. well for about, you know, eight years. And so I thought, well, I'll get to Texas and uh, it'll be great. Like it'll, I'll I'll meet people. It'll be quick. You know, there'll be a little bumpy transition, um, but then I'll find them and it'll be fine. It'll Mm -hmm. be great. And that is not what happened. It was uh, it was really hard. And I, it was only then that I realized looking back um, how much heavy lifting that friend, Lisa had done Mm -hmm. for me when we lived in North Carolina and how she'd really, grease the skids for me to meet new people and get me plugged in, and I had really put in minimal effort because she just—I just was happy to just be with her, you know. Yeah. That was, and then when we lived in Virginia, um, the, the proximity of like kind of Uncle Sam assigned me these friends because <laughs> they were right there on <laughs> right. my, you know, right on my street. And when I didn't have that, and so when we got to Texas, and it was like we're in a regular neighborhood, we're not in the military community. Um, I didn't know anybody. Everything is brand new. Uh, and six months later, I still didn't have any friends Mm -hmm. and I was really struggling. I was lonely. Like I'd never felt before. And I kind of reached my breaking point where Mm -hmm. I I had never really realized how important female friendships were to me Mm -hmm. until six months had gone by without one. And Mm -hmm. you can have long distance friends. And I still had those, but there's something different about the women who are there in your town driving on the same roads, going to the same stores, you know, experiencing the same place, environment, everything, same time as you. And I didn't have that. And it was really painful. Yeah. That's,
0: that's hard. I remember being, my dad was in the military when I was a kid. So just moving a little bit and that as a kid, feeling that discomfort of waiting for a friend, but when you're a kid, it can happen. And like one day, like someone comes up to you and is like, will you be my best friend? And like, you know, moves on from there quickly. But I think we have those same longings as adults, but it just doesn't happen as quickly as we would like. And then also thinking that even for those women who have never moved around before, like for us, like we moved to Arizona a couple of years after being married. And so here is where we have, you know, found friends that we've like raised our kids together and we've all been in the same spot. But what I have found is that even with those friends that did take you know, some time to establish those friendships, but even in those friendships, there are different seasons and things can change. And so I had friends that I, you know, we would do the play dates with the babies on the floor. We would then go to the park and all of that. But then when the kids went to school, that changed some things because some people went back to work and weren't available to like go grab lunch or we couldn't, we didn't schedule a play date because our kids were in school. And so that seeing that change was a little bit hard for me as well as then, you know, for the friends that when their kids go to different schools, like, you know, my friends are meeting different parents who are becoming friends at that school, and I'm not part of that circle, or they're not part of my circle. So I think that either way, like, if you have moved around a lot, or even if you've stayed in one place, like, there are these seasons and cycles to our lives that can make friendship challenging sometimes.
1: It is, and when you, you know, when you move out of a season, like you said, and those friendships that were kind of situational, you know, because you live next door to each other or your kids were on the same soccer team or whatever, when that circumstance goes away Mm -hmm. and you realize, oh, like a lot more of our friendship was based on that common circumstance. There's a little, there's a definitely a grieving period, you know, of leaving those friends. And sometimes you hold on to those friendships longer than maybe you should, you know. Um, but it's hard, it is hard. No matter, yeah, if you've had to reinvent yourself and your friendship circle a hundred times or mm-hmm. twice, you know, it's, it's hard to make friends as an adult woman.
0: Yeah, what do you think some of those reasons are? Why is it so hard for us sometimes?
1: I think it's, I think so many women were kind of a little bit uncomfortable in our skin to begin with just by our, our nature sometimes. And you just, you know, I know for myself, I kind of regress a little bit in my mind. And it's like, I meet a new mom or a new, a new potential friend. And I feel like I'm back in junior high, you know, yes. even if she's like the nicest woman I've ever met, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's going to think I'm such a dork or like, right. it's, it's oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. That was exactly. so dumb. Yes. You know, like she's never going to like me now or, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh gosh, I'm not, I'm not doing the same thing she is. She's not going to think I'm cool enough to be. Right, right. I mean, I realized that in that six months that I was really struggling with finding friends when we first got here, I realized that I had kind of an immature view of how to make friends as an adult Mm -hmm. woman. That um, in those two previous places where we had lived, where it had been easy, uh, because it had because I was put in circumstances where a lot of the heavy lifting was done for me. I didn't have to learn this lesson until I got mm-hmm. to Texas. And that was, I realized I was tr- kind of acting like I was back in kindergarten when it came mm-hmm. to how I thought I would make friends. Like I'll just sit next to some woman at something and I'll compliment her shirt and she'll compliment my shoes. And then we'll be like Besties. friends forever and going on <laughs> summer vacations and adding kids into <laughs> those weddings, you know, like kids' mm-hmm. weddings. Um, and that's just not... Like that's just not how female friendships work. And, but for six months, that's how I operated. I mean, I would, I would certainly be friendly to people at the gym, at church, at preschool, at wherever. And then I couldn't understand. I mean, it seems silly to say that now, but like, I couldn't understand why those, those acts weren't translating into like real connection and real friendship. And I realized like when it came down to it, I was not really doing anything to be intentional about building friendships. I was pretty much like living my life alone, a- acting as if one day the phone was going to ring and there would be some random woman on the other end who I'd never met, but she'd like be like, Hey, I heard you were awesome. We've ne- <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you've know, you never spoken to me uh, or like slowed down running into the preschool and out, you know, but right. um, I heard you're awesome and I'm awesome and we should be best friends. And I'd be like, yes, we should be best friends. Right, right. But that that is just, and then when that didn't happen, I was like, Confused, So, um, you know, I, and I think that's a big part of it. We have this kind of immature view of how intentional you have to be if you want to make friends and that it is, it is work. It doesn't happen. But now I know that the, the friendships that you really do put the time and effort into developing those become the friendships that survive circumstance changes, you know, and, um, and those ones that were so easy, you know, sometimes they are more fragile than the ones that you really had to fight for and think about and, um, you know, and just really work for.
0: Oh, that's good. That's so true. And just what you said about like, we have to be willing to take steps and initiate and make the invitation. And I think it's so easy for us to just wait for someone or put that on someone else or just, yeah, not, not think that we have a part to play in doing it and it's not comfortable. And I think sometimes when we have a bad experience, maybe being the one to reach out or, it, you know, we, we met with someone and it was just kind of weird. And, you know, once we got to know somebody, we're like, oh, I don't know. So we, we take those negative experiences and then just say, okay, that went wrong. I'm not going to do that again. And we let those just, yeah, those bad experiences or the awkward times just prevent us from stepping forward to do anything about it.
1: And I felt like when I was feeling lonely and I didn't, I felt like I didn't have any friends everywhere I looked, I felt like everyone else had friends. (laughs) It's one Mm -hmm. of those like it colors your perception and it feels like everywhere you look, there's like this cute group of women and they're like laughing hysterically and hugging each other. And you're like, Oh my God, like it's a closed group. I can't get in there. They've established mm-hmm. that, and um, you know, at the six month mark, when I when I reached a breaking point, and I was like, mm-hmm. I I could feel that I was like emotionally breaking, mm-hmm. and my husband certainly noticed <laughs> noticed it because my fuse was getting shorter and shorter, and um, he was like, I think you need some friends, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and, and I was like, it's true. I mean, I think. That no matter how great your children are or your parents are or your husband is or how beautiful your house is like there's no substitute for female friends and i had not realized that until i had none in mm-hmm. the area with me mm-hmm. and so um i had a little mini breakdown one day at about the six month mark and i was crying about it and i called my friend lisa and um i was of course like boohooing about what a victim i was that i had no friends <laughs> and <laughs> And she was, she's so wise. Uh, she, she was like, oh, that's terrible. You know, um, but what are you going to do about it? And I was like, what oh. do you mean? What am I going to do about it? I'm <laughs> the victim here. You know, no one's calling me. Right. And, and um, she, and, but that question stuck with me and it was like, yeah, what am I doing? And the answer was very little. Like mm-hmm. I was, I really was doing very little. So I did what I didn't want to do, which was like, I started setting up blind dates. with <laughs> <laughs> Potential yeah. friends. That's right. Because I realized, you know, it, it's true. It is on me. And what I realized in the process is that everybody is at home waiting for everyone else mm-hmm. to call. That's the whole time that I had been seeing circles of women that in my skewed perception were already like, oh, they have like a hundred friends. They they, don't, they wouldn't be interested in like one more friend. Their dance card is full. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, many of them were also looking for friends and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and lonely. And because when I started reaching out, I mean, it took some effort. Like I literally, for six months, I I hardly knew 10 people. Like Mm -hmm. I knew that that woman usually wears a blue shirt at our gym class, but I didn't know her name. I hadn't phone her. So I had to like, I had to approach these people and be like, hi. (laughs) And then like awkwardly ask them out, right? (laughs) right. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm like the mom equivalent of like a sleazy guy at the bar. Like, hey, (laughs) can I have have your number? Do you want to go out? And I, you know, the first time I did it, I was like, oh my gosh, these women are going to be like, no. (laughs) Like, why are you talking to me? And every single person was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, text me. And when I texted them and I was intentional about like, hey, do you want to come over? I set a time in my schedule. Um, every Wednesday was my blind date coffee morning <laughs> that's and I'm awesome. like, do you want to, do you want to come over and have coffee at my house? Um, people were thrilled to be asked. And mm-hmm. that's when I, that's when I like kind of realized my own folly that mm-hmm. I would wasted all this time feeling like I was on the outside waiting for someone else to take the first step. And I realized everyone is waiting for someone else to take the first step because every yeah. single woman I asked came over at some point over about a three month period now, some just like blind dates, some of them were duds. <laughs> some of them after like, you know, 30 minutes, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, you know, right. but but some were amazing, you know, where you just you never wanted to get off the couch. And some it would be like they would introduce me to someone else, you know, right. um, and then they'd become my friend. And so it really wasn't until I took ownership of like, if like I have to do something, there is a need that I have and no one is going to fill that for me and it's going to require some effort on my part and, and some honesty and some vulnerability, some real vulnerability. It was so hard, especially like bringing them into your own house and right. like, know me from anybody. And right. um, yeah, so it was, it was tough, but in the end, that's, that's what started me finally making a new circle of friends, mm-hmm. you know, at this place.
0: I love that. And I think just like you said, friendship is a little bit like dating because you know, sometimes you meet someone and after a little while you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to be good friends. And after a while it's like, oh, I don't know, but you won't know unless you try, you won't know unless you take those steps. And like you said, I think so many of us would be so honored and would be so thankful for someone to invite us to coffee or ask us to lunch or something like that. And, but we let our own fear, I think, prevent us from Just doing those things because, like, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? But really, people would love it usually.
1: That's right. I mean, I remember a friend that I had in college. Her name's Anna Faith. If she's listening, shout out to Anna (laughs) (laughs) Faith. And uh, she was the first person she pursued me as Mm. a friend. And I can honestly say, like, at, you know, 20, 19, 20 years of age when I met her, like, that was the first time someone had. Like like met uh, met me like we didn't have any you know shared history or anything and she was like I want to be your friend and just pursued me kept calling me kept asking awesome. me to do things even when I was like I, I remember at first because it was such a, a you you know unusual like new experience to me I was like whoa this this girl like is coming at me <laughs> you know but after I realized like oh she's just she just genuinely wants to be my friend like um, it was amazing. It made me feel amazing. And sometimes when I'm getting in my own head, like, oh my gosh, this woman's going to think I'm a stalker. Mm -hmm. Like I've already asked her to coffee twice (laughs) and she's like, couldn't make it. Should I, is three times too much? You know, I remind myself like everyone wants to be pursued. That's what we want. Like at our core, we want to be pursued Mm -hmm. by friends, by God, by our Mm -hmm. spouses, you know, like everybody. And so, um, you know, so that's what like is enough to like get me to get my phone out, text again, you know? Right, and, usually right. it, and usually it is all in my own head. And I'm like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But it won't be for lack of trying on my part anymore. That's
0: yes. for sure. That's so good, Stacey. So good. Why do you think it's so hard for us as women to admit when we're lonely or admit that we're struggling in our loneliness?
1: Yeah, isn't that so weird how it's like, is it because do you think because we're not alone. Like, I think before I had kids, I thought you could only really be alone, like feel lonely if you were physically yes. alone. Yes. And then you have kids, especially like right now, like I saw a thing that was like the irony that in the pandemic, we are like women and moms, especially <laughs> are never alone. alone. And, and yet we have like the statistically never felt lonelier, you yeah. know? And and I, it's true. There's something like there's a, obviously I'm sure a million psychological studies going on I know about this, but is it because it's like, we have created this world around us, you know, children, home, work, whatever, and then to admit that you are lonely mm-hmm. is, like feels like you're ungrateful for what you have, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I think that's part of it for me. I don't know. What, what do you think it is?
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I resonate with what you said about like when I had my kids and I had them and I thought this is gonna be wonderful. This is what I've always wanted, but I was so lonely and I was tired of answering why so many times and like cleaning up all the things. And, and like you said, it I did sometimes think like, am I not being grateful because I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling stressed or that I just want to break? Like I would think those things. And I think that mom guilt is real, but I, what I really think it is that we need to realize is that God made us for relationships and, and for friendship, not just our role as a mom or in our role as a wife. Like if we think about it as like different buckets or different like spokes on a bicycle, like, or, you know, slices of a pie, like those, those roles that we have of mom and wife, like those are always usually like full to the brim. Like we're spending so much time on that, but we do have that need for female friendship. And when we're not having that need met, then I think that's where the loneliness comes in because we want to be around. People who get us and get the struggles that we're going through, right? Like our husbands don't get some of the things that we feel or think because they're men and they don't understand. And our kids don't understand what we feel because they're kids, you know, and we're doing all this stuff for them. And I think as women, we just want to be with people who get that we're constantly serving, who get that we get tired or need a break or are tired of hearing mom 50,000 times a day. Like we just want to be with people who. Who get us, I think. And there's just such camaraderie and such encouragement that can be found by being around people who get you in that role.
1: Yeah. And I think I've realized, especially um, when Drew's gone or during this pandemic, like there's different types of connection, right? And so, yeah, I might have kids touching me all day or talking at me all day, but that's not the same as a like a good hug from yes. some, like an adult, another adult mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, right. You know, and that there's a difference between conversation and like authentic, really deep conversation, you yes. know? And I'm like, the older I get and the older my kids get, like my tolerance for small talk <laughs> gets lower and lower. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like when I'm in it, like when I go to a mops group and I sit down, I'm sure um sometimes people are like oh here we go because I'm like (laughs) I don't like I'm so I don't want to talk about um potty training I don't want to talk about like these the like that's I could have that conversation with a woman at the grocery store and we laugh about it and move on and never see each other again like I I don't want that when I sit down and I'm talking to somebody who I know who I want to build a relationship with like I want to have a, I want to have a kind of conversation that I'm afterwards, like you leave a little changed, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking differently about something yes. or I'm encouraged, or I'm encouraging them like, and, and when I don't have that, I feel lonely, you know, okay. that's how like you could, you could be at a party and at, full of people and feel like I'm alone here, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's how moms feel and a lot of women feel because we're rarely alone. And yet, um, the opportunity to step into authentic, like really good conversation with people who want to build relationship with us is not, doesn't happen very often. It's not very common. And so when it does, you're like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. this is what I want. When I say I want friendship, when I say, this is what I mean when I want, when I say I want that. Yes.
0: Yes. Just that ability, I think to be heard by someone else about how you really are doing. I have a friend that I just come away from our conversations just so encouraged because she just listens to me. She'll ask me good questions. You know, we, we do chat up, like catch up on life, but she always asks me like, what is God teaching you? What, what new things do you want to do in this month or year or whatever? And I, I don't know. I just love that. I feel like she sees me and she wants to know more about me and she acknowledges things in my life, like I said, that maybe my kids don't acknowledge or see or, you know, other family members, that kind of thing. But I think friends can just offer such insight into our life and that they can give us that fulfillment of being seen and known for all that we are, you know, all that we do for our family that is often overlooked, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And just thinking Stacey about how you've moved several times and drew is an astronaut and he was gone. How many months was he gone at the space? He was in space for nine months. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that and just how in, you know, those times where he's been gone, like how have your friendships kept you going and been a support system to you when your husband's not been around?
1: Oh, I mean, they're essential and that's a skill that I had started to develop, certainly because he has deployed several times. Now he, this nine month space deployment, if you want to go that, <laughs> uh, was the longest that he was ever not home. Mm-hmm. But I had had, um, we, he had done several deployments over the years. Now this was the first one where we had four kids uh, of obviously this older age. It was a lot easier when they were younger and they're was not (laughs) for, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it definitely was a learning process to kind of, again, let go of my, my immature preconceived notions of what friendship is, um, what vulnerability is like that I can, it doesn't lessen, um, my ability to mom doesn't like, doesn't make me a lesser mom to admit I need help Mm -hmm. to say to my trusted friends, like I am struggling today. I am I'm lonely, you know, mm-hmm. like, will you just come over? And, yeah. and, uh, and the friends that I, you know, that I really relied on understood that role for mm-hmm. me. You know, I had one friend, it was like every Friday we um, got our families together and drank margaritas and ate pizza. And oh, that was that's like, fun. Yeah. And like, she, she knew, I'm, I don't know if she would like realize it in the moment, but I think subconsciously both of like that was an important piece of both of our, routines, like, and part of our like mental health process was getting right. together every Friday. Another friend who would just take the initiative to say, like, how are you? Like, and not settle for fine, you know? Because, right. I mean, I am a very independent person. I'm, I'm not someone who carries a lot of vulnerability on my sleeve. And so my default answer was always going to be, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, and like, and then move on to something else that doesn't open me up for any kind of vulnerability, but my best friends knew to keep asking questions. And when they dug a little deeper, two or three questions in uh, you know, then they would expose some stuff that they could step into and help with and, or just be a listening ear to, but yeah, I mean, without them uh, it would have been really, really hard. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And I'm thinking about in our
0: job with MOPS that this month we're going to be talking to our leaders about the importance of creating a support network. And I think that that applies to all of us in our role as moms, that we need a support network and going out and finding friends helps us to be able to be better in all of our roles and in our lives. And when we have that bucket filled of friendship and connection or people that we can ask when life happens, whether that's like a job transition or your husband's gone or a kiddo is sick. Like there's just things that happen in our lives where we need help. And so it's really an investment in ourselves and in our future to create those friendships so that we have a support network.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's that idea of a support network really, I mean, when Drew was gone, uh, I looked at, at that concept in a whole new, whole new light mm-hmm. because it really was. You know, when my kids were little and Drew was gone, it was like having someone mow the lawn was super helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, having someone to talk to or bring me dinner was super helpful. Now I was in a stage where it was like I need help with him with driver Zed. I needed someone yeah. like uh, I definitely had this need for some companionship in a in a different way than I needed it in the past for a longer period of time. You mm-hmm. know. Um, and there was a lot of different ways that I needed help, and I I literally don't know. It it could have been very ugly, <laughs> yeah. like it just would have been impossible. It would I would not I would have been an angry, worn out, exhausted, bitter person if I did not have people around me to to step up and say mm-hmm. what can I what can I help you with, and not, you know, it's like a pet peeve of mine when people say like call me if you need anything because most moms Mm -hmm. are not going to call. Right. And certainly not military. Most military moms are certainly not going to call. It feels in certain contexts, even if the person says it in all sincerity, it can feel flippant. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. call me if you need anything, my phone will be off. You know, (laughs) like, 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 if you really want to help someone, this is what I tell people all the time. Like, if you're really serious about stepping into someone and being part of their network, then you've got to be like, I want to bring you a meal this week. What day is best, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm coming over to mow your lawn on Tuesday, just letting you know, so that when you hear the mower going, you're not surprised, you know, like you have to be specific. You, um, and and that's just true for friendships too. You know, like several friends who just wouldn't take no for an answer because Mm -hmm. if they had said, um, can we have lunch this week i would have been like uh you know but they were like i'm we're having lunch this week what what's better tuesday or friday you know right. and I, like and you need people like that in your life and it certainly takes time to develop some of those relationships but and also an acceptance that not every friend can be everything you want like you may yes. really want to make Susie, your like bestest yeah, right. at 3 a.m. You know, <laughs> nowhere. And she may, she, maybe she can't, you know, she maybe she just can't. And that doesn't mean you're like that she has no right or off. Yeah. Right. But um, I'm, I'm always amazed when I do open myself up and, and I'm willing to get vulnerable and tell people what my needs are. I'm always surprised. There's always at least one surprise person mm. who steps up, right? And comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, wow, okay of all my support people in the season, I didn't like, no offense, didn't think it was going to be you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those fun surprises along the way. Yeah. I I
0: love what you said about just not having that expectation that all of our friends are going to be our absolute best 3am friends or the ones who will show up constantly. And I I give a talk for some MOPS groups just about that and how I really see it as like a bouquet of flowers you know like of different colors different varieties and how our friendships are like that and we can't expect you know a rose to be just like a daisy and that type of thing just realizing that like each friendship serves our life in a different way like meets different needs for us and so that there's freedom in that when we realize okay maybe these two people are my friends i can depend on all the time and i think that number of like absolute besties is, is going to be smaller than maybe we would like but that doesn't mean that our next you know level friends or friends of a different variety than that friend don't give meaning and fulfillment to our lives because they do I've heard That's someone true. say that that we have friends for like a reason a season or a lifetime and just acknowledging that I think is important
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think back, I laugh because I know I have friends who like, they stepped in by bringing me food or they stepped in by being my listening ear. And another friend, who really wasn't either of those things, but she went with me to get a tattoo and I, she was the only person, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, she was my tattoo friend, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, she was exactly the person I needed with me. And that you know, it was crazy <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, right? And if I had tried to be like, no, I want you to be my, bring me a meal once a month friend or whatever, like, or, or my late night, phone call friend. Like it wouldn't have worked. That that wasn't the nature of our relationship. It wasn't her personality. It wasn't like all those things. Right. So, um, and that comes, I think, with, with putting the intention in, like, if again, that immature view of like, well, I take what I get, like, you see what life brings you, you know, that does, that is like a recipe for frustration because, um, you, you know, not the people who do kind of naturally come to you, may not be who you need, you know, like they may not be filling all those needs, but when you take it and say, okay, I'm going to go out and like make some friends. And when I find people that I think we have a connection with, I'm going to invest in them. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to prioritize the time. I'm going to share things of myself. I'm going to open up. Like then you learn about, you know, you learn about yourself, you learn about them and you, and this, unique relationship bridge is built that is different than all your other relationships. And you, you learn like, this is what, this is how our relationship works. This is, yes. this is what we can rely on each other for. And trying, trying to, I'm not going to try to make you something you're not mm-hmm. and um, because I don't want to, you know, it's just right. Yeah. And we don't want someone
0: to do that to us either. Right. Like we don't That's want right. someone to be like, you're not meeting all these expectations that I have for you as a friend. And it might be like, well, Hey, I'm not really that I don't. This isn't me, and so right. Think if we think of it that way, I think that can bring us some clarity too. <laughs> I think so too. So you have talked about in your book. I've had a little
1: preview. You've talked about baloney on sale. Friends, will you tell yes. us what? Sure. You know? So my friend Lisa, who I talk about a lot in that friendship chapter, because she um, she is like my the wise sage of my life. Uh, she's like a half step ahead of me in the parenting journey. And she's just a wise person to begin with, but she introduced me to this concept back when we were living in North Carolina together. And, and she was, you know, <laughs> cooking me up with everything in life. And um, I heard her use this concept. And the idea is that a baloney is on sale friend is a person who lives in the same place. You know, they, mm-hmm. have, they have to be in the same town so that you literally are feeling the same rainstorms, driving on the same roads. Mm. You you know the same people. You, you, when you say that school, they know what you mean. Like yeah. you're in the same traffic jam, you're doing all those things. And then you have let them in to the deepest parts of yourself, which we used to joke <laughs> was like the, the part where they know that you feed your kids baloney. And like- you know, I love like, that. And, and, and enough, like, enough baloney that like when it goes on sale, you need like you need to get there and stock up because that's how much Bologna is going <laughs> is being eaten at your house. And so it's that combination of authentic relationship and being your authentic self as, you know, <laughs> like non-mom approved as that might be yeah. but also in the same place like it has to be both mm-hmm. and um and I love that concept because like she was absolutely my Bologna's on sale friend when we lived in the same place for five years mm-hmm. and she is still one of my best friends but now I'm in Texas and she's in Virginia so mm-hmm. she's not my Bologna's on sale friend mm-hmm. because we don't we aren't living in the same store You're
0: shopping in the same stores
1: that's right that's right and so um but I think it took, you know, it took intentionality. She showed me how to do that by, by example, when we, when we lived together and, and it was like, oh, okay. Um, this is how it's done. This is how right. you are authentically yourself with your friend and admit, admit the things that are sometimes embarrassing, you know? Um, but the, it's really a powerful thing because it's, it's simp- It sounds simple. It's not easy because you do have to be willing to admit to some things that, you would probably rather not put on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, when you do that with trusted friends, you know who you know are not going to smear your secrets mm-hmm. all, all over the world. You know, <laughs> that that friendship bridge becomes so strong that um, you know we may not be Baloney's on-sale friends because we don't live in the same place. But she will always be one of my best friends mm-hmm. because um, that's w- that it will always stay strong in that way. Yeah.
0: I love that. What you said about just having a friend that knows these little things about you and that doesn't judge you for them. I remember reading I don't know if I saw it on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or wherever I saw it, but just about a woman who had written that she kept both goldfish and then like the Annie's organic bunnies in her pantry (laughs) and that she would pick which ones she would take her, you know, for a play date, depending on which moms were going to be there and which <laughs> ones were going to judge her for not having the organic whatever and so that just reminds me of the balloon until. like just be who you know you need those friends that you can just be who you are and we all have things that like you're saying maybe <laughs> other people don't approve
1: of with yeah.
0: things like that but that's okay we don't need that's him. right so I well. mean
1: everybody needs that person I remember that same time we were there um I had a moment where I was not my best self. I had a, a parent, a bad parenting moment mm-hmm. with my son. And I remember, as we, as, all I, as we all do, and I felt terrible. In fact, I was so ashamed of myself mm-hmm. um, that I didn't want to tell my husband about it because mm-hmm. I was just so, you know, so, but I called Lisa mm-hmm. and because it was, I knew that I could tell her this, you know, and she was so great because she she said, you know, you can be embarrassed. It's certainly emb- <laughs> you can be embarrassed. Because that's <laughs> embarrassment is good because it can spur change, right? But you, right. Like, like this is not who you, you don't need to make it shame and this is not mm-hmm. who you are, right? Mm-hmm. You're not a bad mom because you had one bad 30 minutes or whatever. Right, right. Um and um but everybody needs that person because I see now like I don't think I again fully appreciate it till I didn't have it to realize how important it is that you have somebody who you can talk to when you are feeling deep embarrassment and shame, and they mm-hmm. can release you from that and, and tell you the truth, you know, that this is not who you are. I know who you are. And, and let me speak some truth back into the, the circumstance, you know, and, and that takes time. You know, That was years of both of us being vulnerable with each other with the small things, like admitting mm-hmm. that we buy baloney. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I mean, I think that's something that also is kind of, um, it, it's common sense, but we forget it somehow when we become adults, which is we yeah. think that um, we, we hear that some woman in our circle has cancer and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't tell me. And you're like, well, you know, you, you haven't shared with each other like anything of mm-hmm. vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So why would we expect that somebody would share something deeply personal with us if we have never attempted to bridge the gap with the small things, you know, it's the small right. vulnerabilities that build on each other for bigger things. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna come to you and, and admit to my marriage problems or my financial problems or my embarrassing health problems. If I can't, you know, if, if our relationship is not one that I can admit like that I got really angry today mm-hmm. or frustrated or, you know, got a speeding ticket. or <laughs> <laughs> like, right, whatever, you know, right. like, um, so, I think that's important, like when when we're feeling that, like, ooh, do I really wanna tell this woman this little Mm -hmm. thing? Like, yes, you do. If this is a woman that you wanna build a relationship with and have a real friendship, you start with the little things, the things that are like moderately uncomfortable and moderately vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it gets easier and easier and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how it eventually becomes a friendship that you can trust and depend on and be your baloney's on sale friend. (laughs) Absolutely, love it, so good.
0: One of the things I think that we hear from women is I don't have time. How do I make time for friendship? I'm drowning in laundry and lunches and homework with my kids. Like I just don't have any time. So how can busy moms make time for friendship?
1: Gosh, you know, here's the thing I've learned about that. It's just when you think you've like figured that out, then life changes. Yes. In <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, this is how you make time in this season, mm-hmm. but we have to be careful that we don't become like formulaic about it because what happens is in this, the life life changes. Like I think a lot of people thought they knew how to prioritize friendships pre-pandemic mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit. And life went upside down and all of a sudden they could not figure out how to do friendships with those same friends anymore, because the formula that they had put in place, like, well, we go to coffee or breakfast together once a week at this restaurant. Well, then the restaurant closes, you know, or, um, we sit next to each other at this soccer game once a week. Well, then there's no soccer. And all of a sudden, how do you, you know Like, So I think, um, I mean, for me, I'll speak for myself. I know I, I have to prioritize it like to the point where sometimes it can almost feel like an appointment, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you have to, because it will be the first thing that, that drops off. If, if you don't, I mean, when I wanted to make friends and I had none, I had to literally schedule friend, uh, Wednesday morning um, from like nine to noon, I literally put it like, on. Um, I mean, I had nothing else on my calendar because I, no, I had no friends, but I would still write it on there. And I remember a few times when I was like, oh, this is, you know, uh, um, my husband would be like, no, it's, it's friends day. He used to call it, it's friends day. You have to have <laughs> your friend come over and uh, he would help me stick with it. And, and I think that's important too, is that you have to like, you have to put it on your calendar and say, I'm going to do this. This is a priority. And you kind of have to tell people that you're doing it so that they can, when friendship feels hard and connection feels scarce can continue to encourage you like, no, this is important. You need to continue to do this. But I think you also, we have to let go of kind of these, I don't know the right word, traditional ideas mm-hmm. of like what women do together. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Because it's like, like, oh, women do lunch, women go shopping together, right. women do all these things. And it's like, yeah, that works for some people, but not all. And it works in some circumstances, but not in a pandemic. And unfortunately, like I said, like, I think a lot of people, and I know this is true for some of my friendships, like you didn't realize how circumstantial, circumstantial some of those friendships were until the circumstances changed. Right. And you realized, oh my gosh, I, like this relationship doesn't survive without- This X thing. This thing, yeah. And that's not, so, so it wasn't really, it wasn't really a friendship. It was just like a circumstantial acquaintance, even though right. a strong acquaintance, but you know, so, um, it's kind of like Facebook, like if Facebook went away, would you still be friends with those people? <laughs> like, right. no, probably probably <laughs> not, you know? Um, so I think we have to think differently. You know, I've got a friend who occasionally organizes like a kayaking thing on Saturday morning. And when she first started, I was like kayaking, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um you know I was like all right you know she's a friend let's go try it she's like why not it was great like four of us showed up and I was like I am like as I'm like this water's gross but hey I've never, <laughs> it's still fun um you know it was totally new different way of doing things you know we've got to be willing to try new things I had never heard of the app Marco, Marco Polo oh, until yeah. like two years ago and somebody explained it to me and I was like this sounds weird. Why do I want video <laughs> messaging? <laughs> like, right. I don't know about this. Well, and because nothing was like, cause I had face-to-face, right? Like, why would I want to message you video if I could just see you at the gym right. or see you at school? Well then, well, pandemic hit and it's like, oh my gosh, now I get it. Like, yeah. you know, and um, it has become, it became a lifeline uh, while Drew was gone. Like for when I needed to talk to somebody and it wasn't appropriate for me to call them on the phone at that time, like, cause right. it was a weird time or, um, you know, or I just needed to kind of like say something and mm-hmm. do life. And there's something cool about like seeing people brush their teeth and while life, and, um, you know, so I think we just have to, like, we have to prioritize it and we have to be willing to do things differently and recognize that what you do with this friend is not going to be the same thing you do with that friend. And, um, but you've got to make it more than circumstances. I think that's really true. Like you have to be like, if I like this woman so much then I should be wanting to get together with her other than on the sidelines yes. of this basketball game, you know, like, and, and be the first one. Like, I think you have to be first. You have to be willing to go first and, and put yourself out there. Yeah. And, and not wait, not be, not wait for your husband to be available to come with you, not have your kids with you, you know, just you, like, I think that's a real challenge for us too, is being like, just me, this relationship is me and you not because of our kids, our friends, not because they're on the same team, not because our husbands work together or whatever. Like I want a friendship that stands alone on its own two feet.
0: Yes. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just courage, right? Courage to step out, courage to try something new. I think when we do, we'll find that it's so worth it. Well, friend, at the end of every episode, I like to ask some fun questions. So here we go. First one, what are you reading, watching, or listening to these days?
1: I feel like I'm trying to read or watch anything that distracts me from reality at this point. <laughs> yes. Like I got, my kids and I got really into the last season of Amazing Race because it involved world travel and mm. we missed travel so much. And I we did too. It. They're getting on an airplane. <laughs> like, like, and I love fiction, I love reading fiction. And so, um, you know, something that h- helps me think about something else, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like, um, I'll tell you what I'm not reading, anything scary or that makes me worried about things because I feel yes. like there's enough to worry about and be scared
0: about every right now, day yeah. in,
1: in real life. I don't need to add that into my life. Like there's, I've got enough already. Yeah, so true. <laughs>
0: I've been reading The Little House on the Prairie series yeah, because I wanted something a little more, yeah, just like lighthearted. Slow down. Yeah. And it actually has been just a good reminder, even in this, you know, crazy world time in in the world that we're living, just about like how hard people had had it living hundreds of years ago. Like they're pioneering, you know, and they had to like make their own cheese and, you know, all these different (laughs) things that, you know, and that's right. They moved several times and like every time their dad had to like build a new house, like go cut the logs down <laughs> and all
1: this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm grateful for <laughs> modern. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: you could be like, no matter how hard life is, at least I'm not making my own cheese <laughs> and building my own house. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so it's been a nice little escape from our reality, but just a reminder of yeah. things mm-hmm. to be grateful for. <laughs> and the fashions are coming back from little house in the prairie have you seen puff sleeves high necks with a ruffle i'm like oh my goodness i am not on board with this but it's like all at target right now so you are you are on trend as well as being having a good escape oh that's so funny
0: (laughs) anything you're listening to that you want to share songs
1: i mean i love podcasts um and uh, I like Brené Brown's podcast. I think mm-hmm. that she has a lot of really interesting guests. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, and I love listening to like pop dance music because oh, <laughs> no. I feel like I need things that are high energy. Yes. And because uh, some days I'm like, I don't have it in my own pocket. Mm-hmm. And so I got to put like, if I'm like, oh boy, I'm dragging. But like, it's time to put on a little, a yes. little something with a high tempo.
0: I like that. I try to do that in the mornings. If my son doesn't want to get out of bed, I'll just find some upbeat music on my, on my phone and walk in and
1: play it. What I really, remember when they used to have jock jams? I used to oh, yeah. jock jams. I had a CD of jock jams. I have jams. several, I have several <laughs> CDs of jock jams from my college years. And like, that's what you need to wake your son up is like, play jock jams. Yes. Out uh, of bed. I will have to download that. That's so good.
0: <laughs> this is why I ask these questions. Yeah. Fun. Okay. Next one is what is your best soul or self-care tip for moms?
1: Oh, for sure. It is learning to say no without feeling Mm. like you have to justify why you are saying no. That is a, um, Mm, that is a skill I learned. I started learning it in deployment, really honed it over the last few years, because the funny thing about deployment is, um, like you can get away with any, not doing anything by saying your spouse is deployed because everybody's mm. like, oh my gosh, thank you for your service. Like, it's like, you know, and so like, oh, do you want to be on this committee? Oh, I can't, my husband's deployed. Oh, do you want to, um, whatever, come to this? Like, and I'm like, oh, I can't. And, um, be, and it was so cool because you felt like you you had this get out of jail free card, right? And, mm. and what I realized is like, I didn't actually need, the excuse. Like I could just say no and mm-hmm. be like, that's just not going to work for me. Or I just, you know, it does like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't need my husband to be like in a combat zone <laughs> to do that. And that I find like, it's taken a long time to kind of get over this, this, like, I don't know what you call it, like cultural guilt of feeling like, like if I say no to something, someone is gonna ask me for the full backstory as to why I cannot. Like, oh, you can't? Oh really, let me see your day planner and let me check your phone. Like, no, the reality is you say, no, thank you. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it, but I can't. And they go, oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> right, know? right. And, they're on to the next, person, that the they next have. person. It's no big deal. Like you're not so amazing, like that they can't find somebody else. And right. even if you are, which you know, maybe you are, maybe you are like the only person with that skill set. But you know what? If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And um, that you do not have to explain yourself. You do not have to justify. It could just be. I don't want to, or I don't, right. like, or I'm tired. Like, and i just want to keep that, that day open. And I find actually like, that was um, really important when I was trying to make friends and, and actually even like really invest in my friends is like too often. I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have to creating great friends is our schedules are so full that we have no time. Yeah. And like, so when people say, I don't have time, they do genuinely mean I don't have an hour who mm-hmm. make friends. And when, when someone says that to me, I, I just challenge them to like, take a hard look at their schedule and see what they can cut out. Because, you know, I, while I do believe that if you have kids, there is a, a, a higher holy calling to being a mom, mm-hmm. but I do not believe that God calls any of us to be martyrs to motherhood yes. where like, you now have no interests of your own, no friendships of your own, no time of your own. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is a lie that we have, we have twisted God's truth in the holiness of parenting and, and twisted it into this lie that it becomes your soul identity and your whole entirety of your schedule. And so, you know, I, there will be times when I say to my kids like, I know you want to do that activity, but you're not going to because I don't want you to do it. <laughs> or it will take up too much of my time. Right. And that is okay. Like my time is valuable um, and I am a good mom but I'm not going to fill up my entire schedule with kid activities because right. I do have a life outside of them and eventually they will leave my house and I mm-hmm. need to be able to. And so um, creating space in my schedule that is just empty space so yes. that when friends call and need help or just wanna talk or I wanna talk to someone, I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, If you don't have space in your schedule where you could, where you can go help a friend take a phone call then I'd challenge you to take a hard look at what you could take off your schedule.
0: Hmm. Amen to that. That's so good. I I read last year the book, Jesus Over Everything by Lisa Whittle. And in it, she talks about these deadly overs that we struggle with sometimes. And and the two that resonated with me are over-explaining and over-apologizing. And I think it ties in beautifully with what you just said, that like we can just say no and I think often we feel bad, and we feel like we're hurting someone's feelings. So then we overexplain. Well, if I could, you know, I'm just, you know, we give the flying explanation or like, I'm so so sorry, but it's it's that's okay. Right. Like we don't need to do that. Like and we can just give a no, and that that's sufficient. So yeah, times. and
1: I and I try to extend that even to like people who work for me or or are on my teams. Like when I can tell when people are feeling bad about saying no, mm-hmm. and I feel like. It's a gift that I can give them right. to say, "You don't have to justify like mm-hmm. why you can't do this. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell me anything else because, like you said, I know I do it. You and like so you like we will just go on and on like forever, right. like and you know like and then well then last week and then my mom said and then of course and then possibly you know and they're like I just like not that's oh, I didn't need to know that you know so uh, like yeah it's okay you just said I can't it's just I just can't right now and then just put a period on that sentence and walk away. Like, and you don't owe me anything else. And I don't owe you anything else. Like, right. Let's just have an agreement that yes. we will both say no and trust each other that our no is no, you know? Yeah. So good. Next question. What is
0: God teaching you in this season?
1: God, isn't I think God is like putting us all in a masterclass right now, right during the <laughs> yeah. pandemic. Like so yeah. many things, like I, like where do you even begin, right? I mean, um, definitely, He's helping me reorient my measures of success about things. Mm-hmm. I think um, at first I thought to myself, well, He's teaching me. That I can't measure success in my life in this season the way I measured it last season. And now <laughs> I'm realizing I was close. I was close to what he was saying, But the reality was, he's also teaching me I shouldn't have been measuring it by that before either. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, if you're, a, you know, I shouldn't be measuring things by straight attendance numbers or by um, my kids' report card mm-hmm. grades or, um, you know, how many date nights or how often I get to go to a restaurant or like all these Mm -hmm. things, like those were not accurate measures of relationship health, of my, my kids' performance and achievements, my own professional accolades, you know, like those were not actually great measures and helping me just reorient myself. Like what does, what does success really look like? What does, what do healthy relationships look like? What, what does real life connection Mm -hmm. and achievement look like, not just in this crazy season, but like forever. And I hope that's something Mm -hmm. I can take with me. I, you know, I say that now. (laughs) We all go back (laughs) to normal. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be very tempting to slide back into my old habits. But you know, I hope that's something I can hold on to. But like yeah, I want to look deeper as to what it means to really thrive and be Mm -hmm. successful in life. And it's probably not the measures that would be my first choice. right? <laughs> that, it's the most obvious.
0: Yeah. Gosh, probably like 15 years ago, I read a book by Charles Stanley called success. God's way. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. It'd be a good one to put on your list, but he talks about just those very things. So I'm just saying, yeah, I have it somewhere, but it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lastly, friend, where can people connect with you and find out more about you?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm on Instagram, of course, like the rest of the world uh, at Stacey Morgan 2000. And then I have a website where I have a blog and recordings of a bunch of my appearances and podcasts and stuff like that. And that's at stacymorgan 2000com
0: Awesome. I will link it all in the show notes so people can find you and follow you. And thank you so much just for all of your wisdom on friendship. So important.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: so much for spending time with me today. Would you do me a favor and help me get the word out about the perfectionist guide to mothering? I'd be so appreciative if as you listen, you take a screenshot, post it to social media and tag me. You can also rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening so that other moms can find it. Looking forward to being with you next time.